0: Have your Bibles this morning go ahead and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew the Gospel of Matthew we're going to be in chapter five um, we only have a few weeks left of the series that we've been walking through called the Blessed Life uh, we've been walking through the prelude or the introduction to Jesus's most popular sermon the Sermon on the Mount uh, that segment there that section there's called the Beatitudes. Uh, We only have a few weeks left of this series. I know that for many of you, uh, like for me, uh, this has been a tremendously spiritually formative season of my life. I know that God has used these Beatitudes in many of your lives as well. Um, It's not often that I go through the halls here and someone doesn't stop me and share with me how the Beatitudes are impacting their lives. So I really do appreciate you taking this stuff in, but also just allowing the, the Spirit of God to transform our lives from the inside out. In fact, one person said it this way to me about how he appreciated this uh, series. He said, it's been, it's been painfully good, okay? It's been painfully good. What he meant by that is, because I had to ask, what he meant by that is, is it's been challenging in every sense of the imagination, uh, but it's been challenging in a very good way. And I think some of you have felt that. Um, As I I have traveled through this, I want to give you one example of what the Lord has been doing with me. Okay, this was the week um, that we're going to be talking about the seventh beatitude. We're going to be talking about what it looks like to be a peacemaker. All right, so I've been sitting in this world, uh, floating on this pond of what it means to be a peacemaker. Um, And how many of you love Jesus' chicken? How many of you love Chick-fil-A? All right, I love Chick-fil-A, I know we have some people that work at Chick-fil-A, all right, some of you frequent Chick-fil-A way too much, um, you know who you are, uh, but that's our family, we, we are there often, um, and this is not a negative light, light on Chick-fil-A at all, okay, I would never do that because I know some of you are employed by them, and we love Chick-fil-A, um, this is no joke, I have 30,000 points on my A-list account right now, okay, um, because one, I'm greedy as all get out. Like I ain't sharing them with no one. All right, don't ask me for no points. I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll give some to you if you need them. Um, but here's the thing. We love Chick-fil-A. Um, and we spend a lot of time there. Uh, but Chick-fil-A this week, when I got back to the church, it forgot my number one. Right? And, and when it forgets your number one, you don't want to be a peacemaker. You know what I mean? Like you want to call. You want to let the store know. You want to let everybody that works there know. You, wanna, you want some uh, be our guest cards. Y'all know what those are, right? They hand them out like candy. Just tell them your straw's not right, and they'll give you a Bear guest card. But don't do that. Bad practice. Don't do that. But not only that, but then yesterday, I go and I discovered that Chick-fil-A now makes paninis. I sent my picture to to Heather over here. I was like, I know y'all made paninis. This thing's like, I mean, the chicken was so thin that it was like, it literally felt like a panini. Um, And it was crunchy. Chick-fil-A sandwiches aren't supposed to be crunchy. But I only tell you this because, again... I didn't want to be a peacemaker. I wanted to let somebody know, all right? But uh, the Lord has been working on my heart, and he's been showing me that it's not worth it to go and start controversy or conflict because my sandwich is too thin, right? And some of you, you got a lesson to learn today, all right? You know who you are. You get on Facebook at the sign of anything, and you rant, and you complain, and you grumble. Today is for you. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yeah, me too. You could have stayed at home in the rain like most people, But you're here, and God's going to sanctify you and transform you from the inside out. Um, And by the way, those of you who are at home, don't feel guilty, don't feel guilty. No shame, God uh, did not come to condemn the world, right? But he came to set you free. Be in church next week. All right. But it's been painfully good. This, This series has been painfully good. You know, each beatitude that we have encountered, it starts with a confrontation, and it ends with a promise. It starts with something that calls attention to us because it is countercultural to the way that the world functions and operates. That's the challenging part. We don't want to be poor in spirit. We want to climb the ladder of success. We want to gain power through power's sake. We don't want to be poor in spirit, but, but that's what we've learned is every single beatitude stands in complete contrast to the ways of the world. And what we kind of conclude as we draw our attention to the end of these beatitudes is really every single beatitude is God's way versus my way. That's what it is. It's I can do things the way that God intended, or I can continue to do things the way that I want to do them. And we concluded our time last last week by saying this. We must prioritize, as the people of God, we must prioritize the kingdom of God Above the kingdom of self. That's what these beatitudes are all about. It's putting the kingdom of God above the kingdom of me. So we're going to be in the seventh beatitude today. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. Let's read it together. It says this. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. For those of you who didn't get the cue. Let's read it together. Ready? Blessed are the Are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. All right, so the first question, the question on the table this morning is this, what is a peacemaker? If we're supposed to be peacemakers, if blessed are those who are peacemakers, if happy are those, as your translation, some of your translations say, are those who are peacemakers, the question on the table is what is a peacemaker? We're going to divide this word into two parts because that's what it is in Greek, all right? You got the word peace, and you have the word maker. So let's first explore what this is. What is meant by the word peace? What's meant by the word peace? Now, when you and I think of that concept, what's meant by the word peace, some of you get an image in your head maybe of you walking along the beach at sunset. The beach is fairly empty. It's just you and maybe a few other people. And you're walking there and you can hear the crashing waves. You can feel the sand go through your toes. And here you are walking on this scenic view. you got these purples and these blues and these oranges and yellows and pinks all in the sky as the sun begins to set. And you just think, man, this is a moment of peace. This is a moment of tranquility. I don't have anyone in my ear. I don't have anything to do Everything is hushed in this moment. It's just me on a beach, and it's peaceful. Some of you, the first place your mind goes is to your last spa treatment, right, when you got your zen experience on, and you got your muscles rubbed with some hot stones, and you had this nature sound, this Japanese music, this Native American music playing in the background, and it was just a peaceful moment to you. You had all these different scents in the air, and they're making their way through your nostrils. I mean, it just makes you feel delightful. Makes you feel good. And for you, you, you think that. That's what comes to your mind when you think of peace. Maybe for you, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of peace is just merely the absence of conflict. No war. No war. There was a big movements several decades ago. That, that peace meant no war. And for you, you think the absence of conflict, that's what it means to live at peace. Maybe you're one in here and you think, you know what it means to live at peace? To live at peace for me means to live life without any stress, any anxiety. Moms, dads, I'm sorry. But as long as you have kids, stress and anxiety are going to be in full throttle. Can I get a witness? Yes. All right, so you you think, man, if I could just get rid of some stress, some anxiety, that would be a peaceful moment for me. Maybe for you it's just a relationship that is absent of disagreement. That anytime time there's any kind of controversy or disagreement that stimulates itself through a relationship, all of a sudden you're thinking, man, that is the opposite of peace. So if I can just get rid of that, I'll have peace. Here's what we need to understand this morning, okay? This is going to be good, so you need to remember it. This is, this is what we need to understand this morning. Peace is not found in the absence of conflict. Peace is found in the presence of Christ, You understand? For some of us who think just by the mere reality that we are absent from conflict, that's how peace comes. No, peace isn't found in the absence of conflict. It's found in the presence of Christ. See, peace in the Bible is the word shalom. Many of you have read this word, you've heard this word, but have you ever studied this word? In the Bible, it's the word shalom. What this means in Hebrew is it means completeness. It means wholeness. It means delight or satisfaction or even fulfillment, But take that definition of completeness and apply it to what, uh, what, what, what the Bible is actually saying here. When you and I live life without deficiency, when we live life when we don't lack anything, that's what the word complete means. Man, we can walk through the world that you and I live in and we can lack or we lack deficiency. We lack nothing. It's the idea of being completely and totally satisfied. See, shalom peace has nothing to do with external circumstance, at all. And what you and I sometimes think is that the external factors are what determine what happens internally within us. And what the Bible is showing us is is that's not always true. That shalom, this kind of peace, this Hebrew word peace has nothing to do with external circumstances. And as powerful of a word as this word shalom is, it is one that has stability in any circumstance within our lives. This was certainly true in the life of David. I mean, think about the life of David. If you walk through some of the Psalms, what you're going to see in David's life is there was often times where he felt like his back was against the wall. There were many times in his life where he felt like conflict was at its height, highest. There were times in his life where he felt like his life was literally in in trouble. He would run, he would flee, just trying to find caves to hide in so that he might be spared. And you think about this where David exists on this earth and things are seemingly spinning out of control. And this is what he says in Psalm chapter 4 verse 8. He says, it's in peace or in shalom, I will both lie down and I will sleep. He says, in the middle of this madness, it's because of shalom that I can put my head on my pillow and not miss a moment of sleep. And then this is what he adds. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Do you see what David is saying here? David is saying that peace in my heart is not determined by my outward circumstances, by my external circumstances. No, peace in my heart is determined by me existing and living in the presence of Christ. No matter what's going on around me, I can live at peace because I'm living in the presence of God. Now, I don't want you to miss what Jesus is saying here back in Matthew chapter 5. It's not just that we have peace. For some of us, we're thinking, well, that's my life right now. I have peace. Others of you, you're thinking, no, I don't have any peace. And I now want peace. But what Jesus is arguing here is not that we would have peace. What Jesus is saying here is that we make peace. He says, you're a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are the peace not havers, but the peacemakers, for they shall be called, some translations say, sons of God See the word "makers" here, as you divide them. The word "makers here is an active term. This word "makers" is not a passive term. In other words, when someone sees a problem, he steps into the problem to offer a solution. That's what a peacemaker is. A peacemaker is one who sees conflict and doesn't avoid the conflict. No, he steps into the conflict to bring a solution, a remedy to the conflict so that the the conflict would no longer exist. Let me say it this way. This is how we're going to define it this morning. A peacemaker is a fighter who seeks to bring peace. Now, I know that seems counterintuitive to some of you. You're saying that a peacemaker is actually a fighter. Yes, a peacemaker is a fighter who brings peace in the middle of chaos, who brings peace in the middle of terrible Circumstances. It's a person who has peace in his or her own heart and then fights for peace in the lives of other people. That's what a peacemaker is. So, what we have to understand this morning is that there is a tremendous difference in being a peacekeeper and being a peacemaker. See, a peacekeeper is about avoiding conflict, a peacekeeper is one who hides his or her feelings because they don't want conflict to ensue. You know, people like that. I know people like that. Instead of just saying what needs to be said, the truth, and we'll just keep silence because we don't want to create any conflict if we were to speak truth into a situation. So we hide our feelings, and not only do we hide our feelings, but we also do everything we can to, pa- to pacify a situation. We just want to hush the situation up so that we can all carry on, and what happens is we never actually deal with the roots of the issues. That's what it means to be a peace keeper. So what does Jesus have in mind here when he calls us to be a peacemaker? The biblical peacemaking here is so different. See, peacemaking requires conflict to exist. And when conflict exists, the person who has peace steps into the conflict and brings peace to where there's chaos. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. All right, so just making sure we all understand that that this peacemaking idea this concept of peacemaking requires intentionality on our on our part it requires us not to avoid not to turn a blind eye but to actually step in and to do something about a particular situation so here's what i've learned though about most people and some of you you're going to know that this is you okay this is this is some of you and some of you you're you're going to nudge somebody in the room today i'm going to go ahead and tell you that this is you most of us this morning without any definition of what it means to be a peacemaker, would have walked into the room this morning and said, you know what, I'm a peacemaker. I feel like that's me. I feel like if if you explore my life and you watch how I lived and you knew about me, what you would find, the verdict is, when it comes in, is that I am a peacemaker. And the reason you would think that is because you hate conflict. How many people in the room hate conflict? Some Some of you don't. If you don't hate conflict, you're usually trying to start conflict because you want to live in conflict. You like living in conflict. But most of us, if not all of us, we hate conflict. This is true about who we are. In fact, we run from controversy. When confrontation begins to peek its head up, we run the opposite direction. We want to get away from it as far as we can. This is certainly true in my household. And some of you, it's probably true in yours as well. Like, I love my wife's heart. Uh, One of the most tender hearts on all the planet. Um, Some of you, you think, man, I think she's a tough one. No, she's not. She's actually one of the most tender people you'll ever meet. Um, She likes to paint herself as being tough sometimes. But she has a beautiful heart. She's gentle in her spirit. And I, I love who she is as a person. She is ultra sensitive, okay? My wife is ultra sensitive. She will cry if the cat doesn't choose to sit in her lap, all right? Some of you know people like this. Now, that's an exaggeration. She doesn't really care for the cat. So if you were looking to adopt, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Bad joke. Um, But that's her heart, okay? That's who Kayla is. Um, She's ultra sensitive. If someone upsets her or someone is at odds with her, she'll literally lose sleep. It it bothers her severely because she doesn't like conflict. She doesn't like confrontation. She doesn't want that to exist in her life, in fact, she hates conflict so much that if there's any tension even between us, she won't do any face-to-face conversation. No, she'll just send me a text message. All right? So what I have learned about my wife and I is if I feel like there's distance, if something's not going right, if, you know, I feel like there's some tension or there's a disagreement, um, instead of having a conversation with her, I'll just sit there and send her a text. Yes, yeah, so even if she's sitting on the couch with a cat in her lap. And I'm right across the room. I just send her a text. And when she checks her phone, then we can resolve the conflict. Because she hates conflict. That's who she is. Now, there's other people, I, I kind of lean more towards the side, if I'm honest with you. That's just a fault of my own that the Lord's sanctifying me in. But there's some of you who I said a second ago, you love conflict. Okay? Maybe you don't like it. I don't really like it. I just don't run from it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a beautiful pool of water to swim in. <laughs> And sometimes I want to dab my toe in it, and if I feel like it's too much, I just go the other direction. <laughs> other times, I just want to bathe in it for a while. Like, and some of you are like that. That's, that's how humans exist. We're all different in our own regard. Uh, but some of you, you love conflict, where conflict is not in existence. You create it. You, you stir the pot just because you want something to be there. You are the offspring of a drama mama, right? You know what that is? Like, you can just follow, mom. I just follow about, i just kidding, just, just jokes. But, but you know what I mean. There's people who are like that, don't you? You know people like that. I know people like that. And what Jesus is arguing here is that we who are in Christ ought to be peacemakers. But here's the reality, church family. Here's the reality. None of us in this room today are peacemakers, You're not a peacemaker. Your spouse is not a peacemaker. I'm not a peacemaker. Our kids aren't peacemakers. We as parents aren't peacemakers. We as teachers aren't peacemakers. We as academians aren't peacemakers. We as athletes aren't peacemakers. You can paint any narrative you want. You are not a peacemaker if you're alive in this room today. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter five, because of the sin that is in us, not necessarily the sin that's in the world, but specifically because of the sin that is in us, we are now enemies of God. That's who we are. We're not peacemakers. We stirred the pot. We started conflict. We chose to rebel. We choose deliberately to do the things that we want to do, even when we know those, those are not the things that God wants us to do. We're not peacemakers. The sin that is in you and I has put us at odds with God and who he is. In fact, this is the way I'd like to say it this morning. When you and I deliberately sin, when you and I fall to gross infractions of the law, no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, essentially what we are doing is we are pulling the pin on the grenade and we are throwing that grenade at the feet of our holy God and we're hoping that we'll explode. That's not a peacemaker. That's everything but being a peacemaker. And for some of us, we think so highly of ourselves that we wouldn't dare think that we're that type of person. But in our depravity, in our sin, that is exactly how scripture paints us to be. But here's the beauty of the gospel church family. The Bible also says in Romans chapter five that we have a God who loves us so much that even when you and even when I pulled the pin of that grenade and threw it at God and tried to start a war, enemies, us against him, guess what he did? He demonstrated his love in this. Even while you were still trying to cause conflict between you and God, he sent Jesus to do everything necessary to rescue you and to bring you back to peaceful relationship with him. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why God is so, so good. He demonstrated his love in this, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.1 says it this way, since we have been justified by faith, that word justified means to be made right with God. And then this is what he says. Since we've now been made right with God by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? The sacrifice of Christ on the cross was necessary to restore our relationship of peace back. With God. Jesus says, when we become peacemakers, what? You will be called children of God. When you become a peacemaker, when you become a son, or when you become a peacemaker, you'll be called a son of God. This is a loaded statement. These words, will be called children of God. What does that actually mean? Here's what we have to remember this morning, church family. We have to remember that Jesus here in Matthew chapter 5 is talking to a Jewish Christian audience. So when these Jews heard what Jesus was saying, it resonated with them a little bit differently than maybe it, it lands with you and I. See, the Jews understood that to be a son, that meant to receive the father's inheritance. And what Jesus is saying is those who are peacemakers will be recipients of my inheritance. He's saying, those of you who make peace, you step into conflict, because you have peace, you step into conflict and you bring peace, you will be one who will have the inheritance of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? All that belongs to him, he's saying, will then belong to you. But it's even deeper than that. In the Greek here, this word son actually means partaker of the character of. That's what it means. Partaker of the character of. The son's Of God, The children of God are the partakers of the character of God. So as children, he's saying, when we become peacemakers, we're taking on the character of our Father. That's what it means for us to be sons of God. If God is a God of peace, we're taking on his character. What does Isaiah say about Jesus? That Jesus is going to be the prince of peace. We're taking on his character. So when we are peacemakers... What you and I are doing, at that moment, when you and I step into conflict as as peaceful people, when we step into conflict and we bring peace to that conflict, we are actually carrying out our identity as believers in Jesus Christ. We're taking on the characteristics of our heavenly Father. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. That's what Matthew is explaining here in this text. So, What I want to do as we spend about the last 10 minutes to close this all out, I want to talk about the practicality of how do you and I become peacemakers. I mean, now that we understand the concept, how do we actually become this? There's two ways, I believe, we become peacemakers. The first way is we get peace from God. We need to understand that this morning. The only way that you and I will ever get peace is from God. See, church, you and I, we cannot give what we have not first received. If you and I have not received peace, we'll never have any peace to give to other people. So what we must do is we must grow in our understanding of the peace that we have received. When we see that we've waged war against God, when we see that we aren't considered his friends but rather his enemies because of our sin, that's when we start to understand the depth of the sin that we've committed against him. And and the more we grow and understand the depth of the sin that we've committed against him and the ends by which he went to reconcile us back to him, that's when we'll start to understand what it really means to be a peacemaker and the extent by which we must go in order to bring peace into the world. Let me say it like this. Before I can step into someone else's conflict to bring peace to them, I first have to understand the conflict that Jesus stepped into to bring peace to me. Make sense? I was at conflict, was at odds with God because of my sin. Yet Jesus stepped into that conflict and he did something about it. He brought peace because that's who he is to that conflict. And if I only look at myself and I look at God and I'm like, you know what? I, I don't really commit many sins against God. I'm, I'm a good person. I don't do a whole lot to, to offend him or to whatever. Then, then I'm, my picture is only going to be this big. My, my window is only going to be this big of the peace that I receive. And that's all I'm going to have to give. But the greater I grow, man, I am literally like a sinner before a holy God. And the more I grow aware, and more aware, and more aware of the sin that I commit against him, that window gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually I'm going to look at that and I'm going to say, why would God ever die for someone like that? And when that stuns me, it then allows me, it frees me to go give peace to people who have not just offended me in this way, but they've offended me in this way. And some of you, you are here today and you have people in your life that have, who have committed gross infractions of the law against you. They've hurt you severely. They've hurt you bad. You won't have any peace to give if you're not first aware of the peace that God has given you through sending Christ Jesus. So we get peace from God. Here's what we have to understand, church. Peace is not a project. Peace is not something that we're, we strive for. You know what peace is? Peace is a person. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. If we don't have any Jesus, we will have no Jesus to give. So when we know peace, when we know Christ, when we're intimately connected with Christ in a personal relationship, here's the reality of the situation. We can typically experience peace in a number of ways. The first way that you and I will experience peace is this. We experience peace with God. This is what some of you this morning, you need. You need this. If there's anything in your life that that you need, and if you're wondering, why am I even going to church today? It was a rainy day. could have stayed at home, stayed in my pajamas, lay on the couch. Why am I here today? For some of you, this is why you're here. Because you need peace with God. Romans 5.1 says it, we said a moment ago, therefore, since we have now been justified by faith, we have been made right with God by faith. It says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus, we need to soak in the reality that there's only one person who can bring peace to us, and that's Christ. We have to cling to him. We have to stay close to him. And for some of you, you have to establish that connection you have to quit living for the kingdom of self and surrender your life so that you can start living for the kingdom of God. And what he says is when you surrender your life to Jesus, he doesn't renovate the heart that's in you. No, he transplants that heart out of you and puts a new heart in you and you now have new life in Christ. Your desires change, your appetite changes, the things you want change, you hunger and thirst for the right things, namely the things of God. Your whole life begins to change and all of a sudden you you, you start living life with the people that you lived with formerly and they're like, mean, something's different about you. You don't want to do the things you used to do, say the things you used to say. mean you're all about this Jesus dude. What's up? I got a new heart. My life is different. I've met God. I'm living my life for him. And that's what some of you need today, to experience peace with God. But there's a second peace that you get to experience when you know him. You don't only experience peace with God, but we experience peace with ourselves. There's some of you that are sitting in this auditorium right now or watching online And you are are at such odds with yourself. Listen to Philippians chapter four, verse six through seven. It says this, do not be anxious. Any anxiety running around in the world that we live in? Oh, it's running rampant. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, watch this, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And then watch what he says in verse seven. And when you do that, When you pray and supplicate and thank, those three things, prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. What does he say in verse 7? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How incredible is that? No matter what trial, no matter what pain, no matter what difficulty, no matter what hardship, no matter what conflict, no matter what negative circumstance you're traveling through, the Bible says you can experience peace with yourself when you know this great God. When stress and anxiety kick into full throttle, you can walk in peace with the Holy One. Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving is the path to peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace then will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Why does Paul put that pattern in the particular uh, organization? Why does he put it in that, that particular format? Why, think about it. What is prayer? Prayer is making God aware, not that he needs to be made aware, he's fully aware, but go through the Psalms and you'll see that David often cried out his heart to God. He is making God aware of your particular situation. This is what's going on, God. This is what's happening. This is what's in my life. This is the the chaos, the confusion, the conflict that exists. That's what prayer is. It's being raw. It's being real before God. It's you talking to him without anybody else. It's just you and him. And then he says what? Prayer. And supplication. What's supplication? This is what I need from you, God. In this current circumstance, and this current, you know, uh, confrontation, in, in this area of my life, this is what I need from you. I'm supplicating. I'm asking you to do this. And then he says, with thanksgiving. What does that mean? God, this is my situation. Here's what I need. But I'm going to go ahead now and thank you in advance for the way that you're going to answer this. You might say, yes. You might say no. You might say wait. But whatever you say, I'm gonna trust that you're sovereign and you're good and you have my joy in mind. You have your glory and my joy in mind. So I'm gonna thank you even now for how you're going to answer this this prayer. You see what just happened? When you get to that point where you don't care about the answer because if it's a yes, you know that that's what God wanted. If it's a no, then that's what God wanted. If it's a wait, then that's what God wants. I'm gonna be at peace with whatever God wants then you will experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see how this prayer supplication with thanksgiving brings about a peace in us that can't be explained? No matter what the trial, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the pain, no matter what the hardship, we can walk through life at peace with God because we know that he's ultimately the one in control. So we can, have, if we can experience peace within ourselves. Experience peace with God? experience peace within ourselves, and third, we experience peace in our own individual lives. Now, I could change this word, lives, to circumstances, and maybe you want to do that. Maybe your situation, you can put the word situation there. But that's what I mean by the word lies. John 16, 33, this is what it says. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Jesus said, I just told you all this so that in me, you might have peace. But then watch how he kind of puts a caboose at the end of this. Watch what he says. In this world, oh, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Here's what what Jesus is saying. There will be no shortage of opportunities in your life to lack peace. I mean, can I get a witness? The world that you and I live in, there are no shortage of opportunities for you and I to lack peace. We have every reason under the sun to not lack peace in the chaos that goes on in the world in which we live. He says, in this world, there will be trouble. There will be a variety of things that take place that will not be peaceful. But here's what I've learned about the things in my life that compete with peace. The big things that happen in my life, they typically point me to God. God. Something significant happens, it's like like life-altering happens, bad health report, whatever the case may be. What does that do? It kind of pushes you to God. It's usually the little things that happen in my life that peck away at the peace that God has already instilled there. Just slowly, every single day. One little thing after another little thing after another little thing after another thing. It just pecks away at the peace that I have before it piles up and it piles up and it piles up and it becomes overwhelming and peace doesn't exist in my heart anymore. This is the beauty of what Jesus is saying is you live in a world that will peck away at your peace. But fear not, I've overcome the world. You don't have to worry about who's pecking away at your peace. As long as you walk and abide in me, you'll experience the peace that I have to offer no matter what is happening in your life. So the first thing that we see out of this text of how we become a peacemaker is we receive, we get the peace from God. But there's a second thing. This is how we're going to conclude. Not only do we get peace from God, but we extend peace to others. We extend peace to others. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 16 through 18. It says this. Live in harmony with one another. Oh man, that's a good verse to chew on this week. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Another good word to choose on, chew on this week. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Listen to verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Paul is not giving you a way of escape. Paul is saying, if possible, so far as it depends on you, make sure that you're at peace with every brother, every sister in your life. I want you to use the imagination, the, the eyes of your heart, okay? Not with your physical eyes, but with the eyes of your heart. I want you to look around the room. Are you at peace with every brother? Are you at peace with every sister that's up under this roof? Are there brothers or sisters that might not be here, that might be somewhere else? Are you at peace with them? Family members, maybe they've hurt you. Maybe they've taken something from you. Maybe they've kept something from you. Are you at peace with them? Neighbors, are you at peace with your neighbors? Business workers, Maybe a business deal went bad. Are you at peace with a person that caused it to go bad? Can you honestly say that you are a peacemaker? That you are seeking peace. You're doing, as far as it depends on you, you're doing all you can to live peaceably with all. There's two quick ways we have to do this. First, we must see others the way that God sees them. Hear me out, church. Hear me out, because it's coming. And if you don't get this, if you don't get this, your soul is going to be rattled in the next year and a half. I'm going to be about as candid as I can be in here today, okay? This is me taking peace into the middle of, of a cultural climate that's not always peaceful. Hear me. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 are abundantly clear. God created man in his own image. It's in the image of God that he created them. That means that every single person that's in this room and that is outside this room If you have a pulse in your chest, you are an image bearer of the most high king. And as an image bearer of Jesus Christ, you carry with you much dignity, much worth, much value, no matter what this world might tell you, and no no matter what lie Satan might try to, to get you to believe. Hear me, because you reflect the image of God before the world. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic background might be. It doesn't matter if you have a lot or if you have very little. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity might be. It doesn't matter what your political party might be. What matters is that you were created with dignity and value and worth because you were created in the image of God. And we have yet to see what one church can do who believes holistically in the reality that we are image bearers of Jesus Christ. Because when we believe that, we'll start living like that. And no matter what happens in the year 2024 that tries to divide us, you know what's going to happen. No matter what you see on TV that's there to try to, to, to completely draw discord between you and I, True peacemakers will step into that conflict and say, I am here to bring peace. Because at the end of the day, I don't care how you vote, what I care about is that you know Jesus and that when all this is said and done, you're gonna reside with me and and you're gonna worship with me before the throne of thrones and the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what I care about. And I'm I'm gonna step into the conflict to bring peace, Jesus, to it. We must see others the way that God sees them. And second, we must live lives that are sent. We must live lives that are sent. Martin Luther King Jr. said it this way, be the peace you wish to see in the world. Be it. Don't do it, just be it. You understand the Christian life is a lot less about doing than it is about being. If you would just be like Christ, you'll do all the things that Christ did. That, by the way, is what a disciple is. A disciple is one who sits at the the feet of his rabbi and gleans from him and then just goes and bees who he knows he'll be. You also understand that beholding God begins by becoming like him. I mean, you have to become like him so that you can really begin to behold him for who he really is. Listen to what James says. James says it this way, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. And he adds this, by those who make peace. Don't do this often, but listen to the way the New Living Translation says it. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace, and then they'll reap a harvest of righteousness. Church, how many people in here would say, man, I want to reap a harvest of righteousness? Just me? Anybody? Anybody? I want to reap a harvest of righteousness. You've got to go and sow seeds of peace. You've got to go and sow seeds of peace. A peacemaker is a person who takes Jesus into a world that desperately needs him. That's how the plane lands this morning. We take the person, Jesus, into a world that desperately needs him. In two weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to come and to celebrate what we celebrate every Sunday, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ our King. And you're going to have an opportunity to be a peacemaker by inviting those who don't know peace to come with you and maybe come to know him. But in order to be a peacemaker, you've got to step into that conflict. And you've got to be able to say, you know what, I want you to have what I do. And that's a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's a peace that comes by knowing Jesus. So you begin to not only invest in them but you begin to invite them and then hopefully one day we'll get to see them over here getting baptized surrender their lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ because you took being a peacemaker seriously here's how I want to conclude I'm talking to two people this morning two people it's raining outside you got nowhere to be two people you ready number one some of you you're here today and you do not know peace the person you don't know him You have tried to find peace in your relationships. You've tried to find peace in your marriages. You've tried to find peace in your jobs and your careers. You've tried to find peace in the things you're pursuing and chasing after. But you're not complete. You're not satisfied. You're not fulfilled. You're just grabbing at air because none of that was designed to complete you and fulfill you. Today, you can surrender your heart to Jesus and know him in a real personal way and he alone will fill that space that you've been trying to fill for so long. And God brought you here because he wants you to know him personally. He loves you so much that he, wake, he woke you up through lightning and thunder and rain, whatever happened today, so that you would go to church and here you are today. And God say, I'm speaking directly to you. I wanna know you. I care about you, and there's a second person. You know the Lord Jesus. You have a relationship with him, but you want to avoid conflict. You don't wanna do the hard work of stepping into the conflict and taking Jesus and your peace with you so that others might know peace. And today, you've gotta get things right with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the spirit of God is gonna right now start putting names in your mind and your heart's gonna start beating to another degree. And you've got to make a decision this morning, are you going to obey God or are you gonna to continue to stiff arm him in the face? And my challenge, my plea with you is to say yes. I know that it's gonna require men a swallowing some pride and going to those people and saying, man, I just need you to forgive me. I've held on to this and I'm ready to let it go. I don't wanna go to war against you, I wanna go to war with you. We are better when we're together. And there's a lot of people that are walking the face of this earth who are perishing without Christ. And we got a lot of work to do and we can't spend time bickering and complaining amongst teammates. We've gotta lock arms and we've gotta go against, go to war against Satan held the grave. But the question is, is are you going to be a peacemaker? Are you gonna be willing to step into that conflict to step into that space and say, yes, Lord, I will get that right. Some of you, you know that there's people who are at conflict. And you're like, well, I'm just gonna stay out of it. I don't need no conflict, I got enough of my own. And God's gonna say to you today, the Holy Spirit's gonna say to you, no, 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 no. You need to go and intervene. You need to go step into that space and you're gonna say, brothers, sisters, this isn't what God wants from us. We've gotta start existing and living the life that God wants us to live. We gotta gotta become like. Two people. Maybe you need to know peace. Maybe you know him personally, but chaos and confusion have taken over. And today you need to get that right.